Hey tryhards, Ethan here. Before we get into the show today, I want to talk to you guys about Patreon. Patreon is a donation service, a monthly subscription service where you donate money to me to support the show, to support uh, the growth of it, whether that means merchandise or more podcasts or other things of that nature. And I would really appreciate if you guys would be willing and able to give just a little bit of whatever extra money you may have. Because while the show will always be free for everyone to listen, um, the way to make it isn't. And I'm in college, and things are expensive. So I'd appreciate any little amount that you're able to give. So thank you for donating, and thank you even more for listening. Hello, my name is Ethan Hewlin. Like you, I live in a world that never stops moving. Also like you, I have stories. These are my stories, the true stories of a tryhard. Welcome back to True Stories of a Tryhard. I'm Ethan Yulin, and this week I have a special guest. Uh, she is an author a coach, and many other things. Please welcome Crystal Waltman. Crystal, thank you for joining me. Hi, Ethan. How are you today? Doing well. How about yourself? Great. Thanks for having me. So listeners, um, this may be a bit uh, triggering for some of you. Crystal has uh, overcome alcohol addiction, so if that... um, if you don't want to hear anything about that because it might bring up something that's painful for you, this is your warning to do that now. So Crystal, can you start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So, um, well, now I'm a mom. Um, I was an athlete going, growing up and graduated college. I played collegiate ball. I won a national championship in softball. And then after that, I studied some communications and personal training and competed on the stage um, for body symmetry and low body fat. And then I became a coach. And now I I currently coach softball on the field, all different ages, eight to 10-year-olds, junior high teams and high school teams. And um, now I'm a published author. And this book has opened up a lot of doors for me and helped me carry the message of hope. And I started some coaching programs and just really happy to be here and be talking to you and your listeners, Ethan. I have to say this is, you're the youngest host that I've ever been on the show. So thank you for being (laughs) open-minded. I try to be, and um, I'm I'm more than happy to, um, to bring guests on from varying ages it's just that the people that are in my circle aren't always um aren't always in the older than me age bracket sure so i'll stick to some of my my younger stories sure so um crystal you and i were talking uh last week about uh, kind of how this was going to go down can you tell the listeners a little bit about your experience in dealing with alcohol and what that did when you were younger? Yeah. So, well, when my best friend Scarlett committed suicide, 
I realized that one of our greatest abilities as a human being was to mask our feelings because that night we, I was with her the night that she died. And after cocaine burned our noses and alcohol flooded our veins, she left to went to see an old boyfriend. And a couple hours later, her house was surrounded by police cars and yellow tape. And Scarlett was a very high performer. She was a collegiate athlete. And that night, I didn't see it coming. Nobody did. And I just, um, that put me into a big spiral because I didn't have the emotional tools to deal with it. And I just learned that like depression, you know, cannot be taken out of the soul by drinking alcohol. That pain cannot be taken out of the heart by using cocaine, you know, and instead alcohol will break you, cocaine will destroy you until you progressively destroy yourself. And now that we live in a society that offers us pills to kill our body aches, drinks to patch our sorrows, and drugs to escape our ghosts, and we need to fight back with courage, love, and mostly, you know, a change in lifestyle. And so I wrote the book, Quitting to Win. Uh, proven plan to let go of bad habits, learn to feel and love yourself um, as a way of recovering out loud. So what does that look like? What does recovering out loud look like? Yeah. So I had a tendency to, if I didn't feel well, if I felt uneasy, I would drink and I would isolate. And so I was in a numb state all the time. Um, I, I always thought that I needed a drink to take the edge off. Um, let me back up just a little bit. I had started, I started drinking at the age of 14. Um, and when I made the varsity softball team, I was put with the 18 year olds right away. And we, we won state that year and we would play hard and then celebrate on the weekends. And that was my first blackout was at 14 years old. And that continued for me for about another 20 years. Um, just a high performer and a binge drinker with lots of blank spaces in my life. And so I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, you know, thoughts of when I lost my best friend, there were thoughts of suicide and attempts there. Then I had a stillborn child. There were thoughts of suicide and attempts there. And slowly the alcohol alcoholism is progressive like it just sneaks up on you you know the way that your body used to process it and as you get older and your hormones change and your environment changes and you know not to mention it's illegal and you can kill people i mean alcoholism right now is number 3 in the in the USA for the most preventable deaths, preventable deaths. Number one is now um, obesity. Number two is tobacco. So tobacco got pushed to number two. Tobacco was the leading number one preventable cause for the longest time, many, I think over the last 10, maybe 15 years. And then now obesity is number one. And they, they link obesity to sugary drinks because the kids are getting in it so young, they're getting you know, addicted to that sugar um, the, the manufactured sugar, you know, and then it's just, they're having problems, super young childhood diabetes and, and whatnot. So anyways, alcohol is number three and it is number three in preventable deaths. And I have lost 
a handful of people to it. And I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I wanted to heal out loud. So what does that look like? That looked like, you know, writing a book and outing myself and sharing my stories. I have been speaking for the last five years just within my um, recovery groups, you know, helping people that needed help and that were there for help. But, but on the outside, I wasn't sharing my story. So um, I kind of felt like I was leading a double life still. Like now I wasn't hiding that I was drinking. Now I was hiding that I was in recovery, <laughs> which to me didn't make any sense. <laughs> but it took me yeah. five years to get to recovering out loud. And, you know, being at that bottom made me who I am today. You know, it, and it's all about like taking emotional inventory and accepting your past, not having any regrets, making amends, uh, being of service to others. So that's what my life looks like now. And I am just overwhelmed by the response that I've gotten with the book. And every, almost every day in one of my inboxes on one of my platforms, somebody's reached out to me and said, thank you so much. I related to blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go talk to my daughter about this. I'm going to go talk to my mom. I really want to give this book to my cousin. So it's not a pretty book. It's sad. It's dirty. It's gritty. It's rated R, you know, it is, it, it's adult language and, um, but it's stuff that just needs to be talked about. I mean, I didn't have anybody talking to me about it. I kind of just learned it all from being around older kids. And then as long as I was performing, I was a high performer in grades and sports. Nobody really pulled back the curtain to say like, are you okay? How are you feeling? I guess the I, I can relate at least partially um high performer i definitely relate to because that's that's always been me uh, academically i actually have had um multiple experiences of running myself into the ground to the point of a mental breakdown throughout my entire public education right. and when that happens you don't quite know where to go after that because you're just sitting at the bottom. I, I visualize it like a well. And if you're at the bottom of this well and in your mind, the walls are slick and you can't get up, you're stuck there. But what you don't see is that the walls aren't slick and it's not going to be easy to get out, but it is possible. And what that looks like for every person is different. But my drive to perform at that high of a level partially stemmed from uh, my ability because I thought that I was a better class of a human being because I could do more than other people could or I could do things earlier than other people could. And when I couldn't do something or it was hard for me to do, that almost always struck a nerve. Sure. Because up until that point, I had been good at whatever I put my mind to, whether it was school 
or um, hobbies or what have you, I was good at things. And it wasn't until I got to high school that I got my first C. And that hurt me. Like, I cried when I got home from school after getting my first C on a math test. Which I know sounds petty, but if you grow up with a mindset thinking school is easy, then that can be toxic. Because when you're faced with adversity like that, and I'm using that term loosely, you don't quite know how to handle it. And from what I gather, that's similar to what happened with you. Yeah, and you brought up a really good point about, you know, as long as you're doing well, you're fine. But when you don't, you you don't fall into the well. And it's like, back then, or I, you know, years ago, people didn't talk about self-care. And there wasn't this balance between performance and recovery, you know, rest and recovery, train and recovery, study and recover. You know, so it was inevitable that you would crash, even, you know, a mental crash because you'd be study hard, study hard, study hard. It wasn't like, okay, I need to sleep for, you know, six hours. I need to drink water. I need to get away from my computer. You know, basic study self-care habits that like are now in place. And same thing for me. Like I just didn't know about self-care. You know, I just was all about performance. What, what was the output? What, what was my output? What did that look like that week? What games did I have to play? How many points did I have to score? Um, you know, it wasn't about like how I replenished myself. And uh, there's also right now a big like misconception about what self-care is. And I go into this, you know, quitting to win. It's like success can come from things that you don't do. So that's like the whole basis behind the, you know, the, the title or whatever. But like when people are out at a restaurant or just, just to say they go to Cabo and they're drinking all weekend and they, they hashtag like, oh, self-care. Like that really isn't self-care because self-care are things that replenish you. Right. They're not things that deplete you. Oh, absolutely. So even like, let's just say you're a runner, like running can be very healthy for you if you enjoy the outdoors and the fresh air and stuff. But, you know, maybe training for a marathon might be depleting you. Right. You know, so it, it's about finding that balance. And, you know, there's just so much more awareness around like the Just Do It Nike campaign, mm-hmm. um, which, which I grew up in that era. And it was like, you do what's best for the team, not what's best for the player. Right. And so therefore, if we were hurt, it was, you know, how do we bandaid it here? You know, give them a shot of something, take a pill of something, do this and get back out there. Mm-hmm. Now there's more awareness. I mean, with the concussion thing, that, yeah. you know, if somebody gets a concussion, they can't go back on the field for X amount of days, like no matter what, if they're diagnosed with that, you know, so there's new laws coming in place that to protect um, the human and do what's best for the person instead of what's best for the establishment. Right. Um, so this book really is just all about self-care and how do you find that balance? I mean, exactly what you're talking about. And that, that's been a balance that's been, that I've um, definitely grown into being more aware of, excuse me, 
And, and it actually started with that first C in my trigonometry class in high school because my mom told me about um, an app called Headspace, which I still use to this day. It's a meditation app. And me being someone who's always in a go, go, go mindset, taking the time to slow down and really think about A, what I'm thinking and B, why I'm thinking it, it was a magical thing. And I use Headspace every night before I go to sleep so that way I sleep better. So that's one of my forms of self-care that has really helped me. Yeah, and the thing with like high performers is that once you're taught how to take care of yourself, generally you can just apply it just like you would apply anything else to, you know, this is how I study. This is how I learn this. This is, you know, because you know how to learn and you already have those systems in place and that repetition and great discipline. So usually it takes a, you know, crash and burn, (laughs) unfortunately, you know, but I think now parenting has shifted a little bit and you know, with the pandemic and you brought that up, about your first C and whatnot. I mean, the kids right now that are starting school and like missing six months of their last semester, maybe they learned or not because that was like crisis education. It wasn't really, you know, planned education. Right. You know, so I think these youngsters that are growing up during the pandemic will be a little bit more like resilient. You know, they'll be be able to maybe bounce back because they grew up, they didn't know if they're going to school one day or not. Yeah. And the, the attitude at our school, which is a high performing school shifted to mental care, you know, is more important than the grades right now. Let's just get through this time in life together. We're all in this together and we'll, we'll, we'll regroup on the grades and stuff. I wish you could tell my biology professor that because he does not seem to care that much. He's like, no, let's do it. You should have learned this last semester. Right. He, I got an email from him saying that the only reason I should be missing lab is if I, if I am sick with Corona. <laughs> no, your mental health is just as important. I'd, I'd be happy to write your biology teacher. I know Ethan. <laughs> I'm I'm practicing it on my own and whether that's actually working or not, I have yet to see, but it seems to be working at least somewhat. Communicating with him? Yeah. Yeah. And he see when I've communicated with him about um like if I'm had computer problems and I couldn't turn something in on time. He seemed to be pretty understanding about that. I, because that the email that I was referring to was for the whole class because there was a really sharp downturn in attendance sure. for labs. And we're getting off topic, but um, that um, it, it may be that he was just trying to and do what he, he thinks is best so that we do well. And now that I can't fault him for, but not taking the mental health needs of his students 
as well as the physical health needs of his students is uh, not exactly a glowing endorsement. Sure. I mean, and as you're getting older and, you know, becoming a young adult, you have to advocate for yourself. Yeah. You know, and that's that's to, something that I've to, had to learn too. Yeah. So just keep working on that, working on your, your language for your teachers and, you know, because you always have coaches and teachers around you wanting to push you and push you. And then you just have to know, you know, I need a down day today. I need a down day. Nothing's really wrong, but I feel maybe this headache coming on. You know, I, I get this headache and I go, Oh, I need a down day <laughs> before it spirals. And I, I get like, and I, I lose all my patience and just start crying or crash or whatever. Isolate, you know? Yeah. So with these tools in the book that I talk about, about how to take spiritual inventory and how to flex your spiritual muscles, it's about, you know, just acknowledging those feelings, like what exactly what you just said and like, okay, I'm feeling like this. How do I process that? How do I get on top of this? So it doesn't spin, you know, so I don't get all the way down to the bottom of the well. Yeah. And I, I cannot stress how important that is to, as you said, take spiritual inventory and just be aware of what's going on inside you because the person that knows you best is you. Correct. Yeah. So Crystal, you also have, uh, you've brought up some things about food and how it has uh, affected the amount of preventable deaths overall. So what, what would you say? Um, and I know you have, uh, opinions on this and things that have helped you. So what would you recommend for people to, um, to help prevent that and to help prevent that spiral? And, you know, that's a great point because along with self-care, all those components that we talked about, food is, I think, the most important. So there's water, there's sleep, and then there's food. And then after that, there's connection. When I say in connection, I mean connection with humans. You mm -hmm. know, first comes your connection with your higher power. Then you need water. Then you need sleep. Then you need food. Then you need friends, friends and family. And food can either be the safest and most powerful form of medicine, or it can be the slowest form of poison. And what that looks like is somebody who is on sugary drinks, for example. I mean, they are slowly poisoning themselves day after day after day after day. And what's going to happen is their insulin is going to become resistant and then their body is going to stop functioning properly. And then when one organ isn't functioning properly, it pulls on the other organ and then diabetes puts off high blood pressure, then high blood pressure puts off, you know, the next and the next and, you know, um, my stepdad, when he turned around the age of 40, he got on one pill for high blood pressure. And then a year later, he was on two pills. And a year later, he was on three pills until he was taking like 12 pills a day. And oh. the way that our society and doctors are, if he, doctors are licensed drug dealers. If you go to the doctor, they're going to give you pills. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they, they don't go for the cause, like what's causing it? Like, why don't you try to cut out A, B, and C, and then come back in 90 days and let's retest you. Why don't you add walking, 
to your nightly regime instead of a bowl of ice cream. Right. You know, why don't you don't drink anything except for water? Try, you know, just try that for a week. Right. Try to eat real food. You know, God made food instead of something that comes out of a package. So the reason why we need so much water these days where they're like, you need water, you need water. Well, you don't need that much water if you're eating real food with food with water in it, like an apple, mm-hmm. you know, that has lots of water in it. And anything in your refrigerator that comes from the fruits or vegetables, they ha- that has water in it. But if you're eating Pop-Tarts and cereal and crackers and chips and cookies, yeah, then you need water because it's not, it does, it's not a balanced food. It's not a balanced carbohydrate. Right. So along with self-care, I mean, and with autism, you know, that's a whole new thing that's come up in the last 10 years. And, you know, some parents have found that they can help control it by food. Sure. And so self-care and, you know, what you eat does make you feel better or make you feel worse. I mean, my, um, my sister is on the autism spectrum and uh, she really likes like those, those candies or like artificial sugars. And when my mom had her not uh, take as much of that in, she was not as, um, she was a bit more, um, I don't know what the right word is, a bit more, hmm, I had a word, uh, a bit more like, not docile necessarily, but more calm and easier to relate to and get along with. So yeah, food definitely can be medicine. Yes, food can be medicine and your body's made to heal itself. So if you have an ailment, so disease, break down the word disease, it means dis-ease. It's when one of your one of your systems are at dis-ease and all disease starts with inflammation. And inflammation is a direct cause of what you put in your mouth. Right. So you want to try to keep your body like at an alkaline state, you know, not high, run very high acidic. So when you have something, whether it could be something like your stomach hurts, or it could be a body rash, or it could be your nose drips a little bit every time you eat something, like that means you have some kind of allergy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an anaphylactic allergy that's putting you in the hospital saying, oh, I can't eat ice cream. But you know, your body is trying to tell you something if you listen to it. Yeah. And, you know, when you wake up in the morning, like, do you feel good? Or do you feel tired and kind of hung over? And that could be like a sugar hangover or a carb hangover. Mm-hmm. You know, like every day, you should wake up feeling better and better because your sleep time is when your body replenishes itself. Mm-hmm. So if you're waking up feeling groggy, that's totally in your control by what you input the day before. So this kind of just breaks it down. You know, I, I've trained athletes and people to compete on stage, you know, in this fitness competition and stuff. But this book is for not the athlete. It's for the middle America basic, you know, just takes you back to basics in the food chapter about water sleep, food prep, viral food, 
you know, all God made food. Mm -hmm. If it has more than three ingredients, don't eat it. If you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. If you don't know where it came from, don't eat it. Right. <laughs> like there's just a better choice. And, and really when you fill yourself up with strawberries and oranges and nuts and, you know, all God made food, you're really satisfied. Yeah. You're very satisfied. So, yeah, I mean, this, this whole COVID thing, some people might hate, give me some hate mail because of this or whatever, but I'm living in faith, not fear. And when they're saying like, don't go out, don't do this, don't do this. I'm like, well, why don't they stop serving sugary drinks? Why don't they take Coke? Like, why aren't people being responsible for themselves to build up their immune system? And sugar depletes your immune system. So how is it responsible if you're drinking sugary drinks? I just don't get it. It just drives me crazy. Like for everybody to be responsible for themselves, you know, about their immune system. So anyways, and living in faith, not fear. And I think this book has come out at the right time because alcoholism is on the rise. Um, yep. I think, uh, you know, I think mental illness and we've seen, you know, it's kind of this COVID thing's going through a whole cycle. You know, people that were okay with it at the beginning seem now to be almost busting, you know, and people who were not okay with it at the beginning are kind of relaxing into it. And, you know, everybody's gone through their ups and downs of, of stuff, but yeah. alcoholism's up, divorce is up. Um, domestic violence is up. Those are just the three things that I know that are close to me. And I'm sure there's many other things as well. Yeah. So Crystal, we are approaching uh, wrap up time. So do you have any encouraging words for our listeners out there who may be struggling with similar issues to you? Yeah. Just know that you're not alone. It's okay to recover out loud and just ask for help. Um, if I didn't ask for help, you know, I show up now for when people come in and ask for help and I still show up for those people and it's okay. You know, if you've tried everything on your own or you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired, just know that you're not alone and there's help out there. So, quitting to win. And you can find me on my website at crystalwaltman.com. I was just going to ask you if you have anything to plug, but you just did it. So yeah. So my course eating to wins coming out and my audiobooks getting ready to drop in about 30 days and I'm planning my book launch. So my book launch is going to be in October and um, quitting to win just got nominated for top 10 health books of the year. So awesome. I'll find out if I make that by the end of the year. So a lot of good stuff going on over here, Ethan. Thanks for asking. And, Thanks for having me on the show today. I'm very glad you could be here. Uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in this week to True Stories of a Try Hard. You can find me on Instagram at ethan.t.hewlin. You can find me on Twitter at etphonehome. The O's are zeros and the E's are threes. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at True Stories Pod. The best way to get the word out about podcasts is via word of mouth and social media. So please, please, please. Share this with your friends, share it on your social media, and if you post it in some way and tag me, you will get featured on the official podcast accounts. And please feel free to leave 
a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, I would very much appreciate it. I'll be back with more stories next week. So until then, this is Ethan Hewlin and Krista Waltman signing off.